0: Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after Game 76 of the season. Uh, maybe that's as memorable as it will become as Game 76, a game I'm sure most of us would like to forget. An absolute shellacking once again. Uh, we talked about how rough this trip could get down the stretch here. Um and boy oh boy it has not started well Florida has done to the Winnipeg Jets what it, in all honesty has done to a lot of teams this season who've had to go rolling through uh on this road trip and try and compete against those teams back-to-back nights it's kind of the old you know Minnesota and uh Winnipeg thing where a team has to go rolling through Win- uh, through Minnesota and get kind of touched up uh beat up a little bit by the Minnesota Wild and then the Jets get them the next night it's a you know, a beneficial situation being close to a team like that and always playing a team on the second half of a back-to-back while these two teams have benefited from that this season. But boy, I got to say this was a night where the Jets walked out. They had two goals on their first four shots, four goals, I think on their first 10 shots. Um, Elliot, the goaltender for the Tampa Bay lightning was clearly not having a good game. I, I was blown away by what I saw on the third goal, the Josh Morrissey goal where he gets the puck up here and it drops in between his legs. And he's got a guy charging the net. And instead of looking around for him and just trying to hunker down on the puck, he actually lifts his pad up to look underneath to see if he can't find where the puck is essentially exposing the puck to the one guy coming to the net. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. Like that goes against every goaltending instinct to cover up and get big and, and stop the net Excuse me. Stop! Stop the player coming in from the puck. It, it's it's lacked more awareness that I've ever seen, uh, or I can remember seeing an NHL goaltender uh, lack. And I guess I, I just come down to this. I look at this, and it's it's almost like the the excuse me the Tampa Bay Lightning. Spotted the Jets tonight. The the, the Jets were in a really good spot compared to where they started. I mean, you're talking about starts for this team. So, their start, they get their their goal on the first shot. But other than that, they put up five shots in the first period. That ends up being a trend throughout the game. I think they averaged about just over five shots in a period. But the Jets were, it should have been very happy to be where they were two goals on four shots, four goals on 10 shots. And it was just one of these things where you could see. They, they they were in a good spot despite where they would played and yet just got absolutely waxed down the stretch by this tampa bay lightning team we talk a lot on this show kenny talks a lot about checking receipts i think i'd like to go over some of the receipts that we've been talking about quite a bit on this show lately i'm proud of the coverage that ken and i have done here to kind of show what the jets are what what they are down the stretch here one We talked about this, and I talked about this on the last show. I've been talking about this for a long time. It's 27-28 games now, a 27 or 28-game stretch where the Jets have not beat uh, teams above the playoff line other than two. This is well above a quarter of the season, and the Jets have put up two wins against teams above the playoff line what did we tell you down the stretch here? The Jets can beat teams below them in the standings. They can't beat teams above them in the standings. And that check the receipts on it. It's happening time and time and time again. That's what we're seeing from them. Uh, you know, th- tonight I, I just finished watching the Dallas Stars win. The Jets are gone. We've said this for a long time. This is another check the receipt. We've said that this is over. And I'd like to go back to way back. I think it was February or something like that. Ken and I talked on this show. The Winnipeg Jets needed to someone said this to me tonight the Jets it's over I said it's been over for a long time but I'll tell you when the season ended for the Winnipeg Jets and everything has just been a you know it's been a shuffling zombie corpse ever since the last three games they had against the Dallas Stars Ken and I talked about this show the Jets needed to win those games and instead they lost all three of those games the flip on those games so they did send those games to overtime But uh, Dallas walks out of that and earns six points in those last games. The Jets earned three. So on the outside, it looks like, you know, the the Dallas Stars only earned three points on the Jets. But the Jets were trailing them. They needed to win those games. If you win those games clean, that's a nine-point swing. You want to know why the Jets aren't hot on the heels of the Dallas Stars right now? It's because the, the games that they had to get close to the Dallas Stars, they didn't show up. To a degree that they could win those games, some of those games it was it was not nearly enough effort, and they were in a good spot putting that into overtime. But check the receipts on that. We talked about that, and then here was the other thing. Ken and I talked about this stretch, that stretch of six straight games where the Jets played against teams outside the playoff line, and we talked about the Jets being the second best team in four or five of those games, right? And I know that there's people on here who will always talk about. They say that I'm in a bad mood, and you know it's going to be. Sorry, they lost tonight. They lost bad, and and it, it's going to look like i have in a bad mood. But someone I can't remember who it was in the chat room was always on me all the time, saying, uh, you know, oh, why aren't you happy when the Jets win? You look so upset when the Jets win. To me, that's the equivalent of walking up to a, a woman on the sidewalk and telling her to smile. And I, I don't mean like that. I'm not saying it's the same thing. I'm not saying I'm not trying to equate myself to those kind of hardships before we go down those roads. But when, when we're sitting there and we're watching the Jets win games where they're the second best team and they're either getting lucky or they're outscoring, uh, you know, through, through opportunism or however they're doing it. Telling us to be like, just be happy that the Jets won that game is a ridiculous statement to say, because what we're trying to point out is the Jets aren't putting up a winning brand of hockey. what happens is when the games get real and the teams get real, this is the kind of result that you get. So to me, this is just another one of those receipts that you're getting down the stretch here. We've been saying for a long time, the Jets game... That they were putting up points against bad teams is not a good enough game to to put up points against good teams. And I think if you take a, le- a look down the stretch here, that is exactly what you're seeing. But that's what I've got to say to start this. Let's get into Ken. Uh, bring in the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Ken. to bring, Ken. And Ken, before you get going here, I just want to make sure, I want to clarify my comments here. I want to make sure that it's known here. When I made the comment about, you know, telling a woman to smile on, uh, on the street, I realized by saying that, I said it in the moment, I'm not trying to equate the hardships uh, of, of sexism or or what women go through through that. That's not what I meant to, to try and get across. What I was basically trying to say, is I don't think anyone has the, you know, or should be telling someone, you should feel this way in this moment. You should respond to how you feel about something in this way. That's what I was trying to equate. So I hope that uh, by saying that I didn't, I, I I hope I didn't open up a road. That's not what I meant to do. Um, um. I'm sorry if I did do that. Uh, that. That's that's not what I was trying to do here. But I'm trying to get to the point here, Of We've been pointing out certain things that we said we, we had suggested would be exposed when the Jets played good teams. And to me, to, tonight, I, we saw it last game, but to me, almost worse than last night, the Jets were really exposed against this Tampa team because I thought that they were very fortunate to be in the position that they were in, not generating much in the way of shots, but still right there in the game with four You know, they're scoring almost on every second shot of the game. And to be as fortuitous to get out of the gate the way they did in this game and then to get waxed down the stretch the way they did, I don't hold this up as being a team getting tired at the second end of a back-to-back. I just think this is another example that the teams that are competing in the playoffs and our playoff teams are up here and the Winnipeg Jets are showing time and time again they are down here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that this weekend was a a good learning lesson on – what elite teams are doing i mean the tampa bay lightning are once again a 100 point team and uh, i understand that you know right this year florida has passed tampa right now but they're gonna have to do it when it counts what we know about the tampa bay lightning sean even though they haven't played their best hockey in the second half and john cooper is basically begging his team to get back on track uh, you wouldn't like the start if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning falling behind four to two. And you're right, Brian Elliott was shaky. Let's just say what it was. Yeah. I mean, Elliott had a good week. I think he had a shutout the other night, but Elliott was not sharp today. Uh, but the Jets, as Paul Stassi pointed out, missed their opportunity to build a lead when they actually had their opponent kind of down. And how did the Jets let their opponent back in? Well the same way they always do with poor puck management and poor coverage. Um yeah, I mean this is never about one play. The Jets just the Tampa took the game over because they found a level that the Jets simply could not find. Uh as the game went down to the wire. Um their elite play like look at Victor Hedman. I mean We're talking about Roman Yossi and Kale McCarr all the time, Sean, and for good reason. Those guys are having an unreal year, especially Yossi. I think he's in the lead. Victor Hedman, again, another year where he's putting up points like nobody's business. He's up to 72 points after four helpers today, second on the lightning in points. And this is not a points award. Victor Hedman is a guy who's had to defend against the opposition's best players for an incredibly long time. So the Jets didn't find an answer to Nikita Kucherov, to Victor Hedman. But they also didn't find an answer to a guy like Nick Paul, right? Nick Paul goal and assist today. And his goal was such an important one. And it came by a play that didn't need to happen. But it was created by the hustle by Nick Paul. He got a hit in on Josh Morrissey. And even though the Jets didn't lose possession, Blake Wheeler kind of you know, without looking expected the left winger to be along the boards through a backhand pass around and it went to their opponent and it ended up in, a, in the back of the net. And um, I think that the puck may have gone off of Wheeler's leg and Hellebuck missed it. But I mean, that that's a turnover that just shouldn't happen. Right. I mean, that, that's a play yeah. that can't happen. And it just was one of those classic examples of the Jets just with the self-inflicted wounds, and that's to take nothing away from Tampa, who, again, they found another level, a winning level, and the Jets had no answer. I mean, in the second, third period, they had almost no shots on goal, basically, in the game. And again, it, this is one of those nights where you don't even really have to worry that much about the high dangers, but they are so lopsided in this game. Um, you know, third, oh, it wasn't as bad, I guess. But again, scoring chances for 35 to 20. I mean on a night where Tampa wasn't at their best, they still had a wide uh, variety, you know, a wide disparity in terms of those chances. And, you know, they can be opportunistic at times, but they know how to, they know how to put their opponents away when they're on the ropes. The Jets could not deliver a kind of a knockout blow to Tampa and Tampa, you know, kind of held, held on. They they took, took a few punches. They were kind of hanging around. And when they got a knockout punch, they landed right on the chin and the Jets went flying and were unable to get up, back up off the mat. So, I mean, that, that's what championship teams do. But um, again, we talked about yesterday quite, all, quite often on the show about the gap between the top teams and and the, where the Jets are right now. Um, Tampa, ton of slot chances. I mean, man, oh man, Sergachev school that can't happen. You yeah. walked right in. I mean, Logan Stanley started that play at the left point in terms of where where he went. I mean, Brendan Dillon was already down low. The second defenseman can't chase up to that position. So, I mean, again, this is not pointing the finger at one guy. It's not one guy. It's, it's a collective effort. The Jets just aren't good enough defensively. And it shows when you play against high-level elite-skilled teams. And, I mean, Tampa wasn't at its best, and they still put up seven. The Jets gave up 13 goals in two games. I mean, at a time where, you know, you're right. I mean, we've been saying for weeks that the Jets, you know, despite being mathematically alive, they're out of it. I mean, they're not, they're not playing winning hockey. I mean um, that that's just not the case. And you know, they're not, they're not going to make the playoffs. And now we're going to see how the Jets respond because, Motivation is only going to get tougher here because by the time the Jets step on the ice on Tuesday, they might be mathematically eliminated, depending on what happens in the Dallas game here. Uh, tonight so well Dallas
0: won tonight so oh, sorry, here's the deal okay here's the deal the Winnipeg Jets uh, they' let's do the baseball thing magic sure. number being a half game being like an overtime loss or something like that so so the Jets after losing the last two games and after both Nashville and Dallas won today Jets magic number with both those teams is one and a half. So they've got room for they've got room for one loss because of their their regulation overtime. So put it this way, if if um, if Nashville wins one game or if the Jets lose one game, and let's be honest, that's going to happen down the stretch here. It's over. But this is we're talking about how quickly they are mathematically eliminated now. Regulation overtime wins. Uh, Nashville is way up. So if they get one win, the Jets at best. Uh, So if Nashville wins once and the Jets run the table for the rest of the season, they tie in the standings at the end of the year, but Nashville is going to get the tiebreaker based on regulation uh, overtime wins. So Nashville is in with one assist or sorry, not in, but ahead of the Jets with one win. Dallas is actually kind of low with regulation overtime wins, which is used as the first tiebreaker. So if the, if Dallas uh, wins one more game and the Jets uh, uh run the table they end up tied in the standings if if uh, if Dallas loses their other seven games and I do believe the way it adds up the Jets would win the tiebreaker because of regulation overtime wins so it's 1.5 so the, all, all Dallas needs to do to eliminate the Winnipeg Jets is is one win and one overtime loss or the Jets one loss and and an overtime loss. That's it. The Jets are done after that. So it, like we said, Kenny, it's been over for a long time. We said this a long time ago. I said, you know, when people kept saying, well, there's a chance and there's this and that, I'd said, hey, if you think there's a chance, take, you know, take a 100 bucks and put it on the Jets right now. Because at like a 1% chance or whatever it's been lately, you would make... Scads of money on a bet like that. But the fact of the matter is, this is like, it's not like this just crept up on it. The Jets are about to be eliminated with like, five or six games left in the season for some teams. That is a big, big discrepancy between teams. And it's the reason why we've been saying since, like, early March that the chances don't look good. Like, you needed multiple teams to entirely fall apart and the Jets to go on an absolute heater. And the thing is, down the stretch here, I was looking at it, the Jets, over the last 10 games lost points on the Dallas Stars and they lost points on the Nashville Predators they lost points on the Vegas Golden Knights so this has been trending in the wrong direction where the Jets needed to trend starkly in the right direction uh
1: well yeah 10 points out right they're 10 out and they have six games to go and Dallas and Nashville both have a game in hand so
0: yeah um, before we move on here, what we should do is uh take care of some of our sponsors here. Uh we wanted to bring up uh, Cambrian, who we absolutely uh are just so thankful to be partnered with. We've talked about the free banking with the unfee. We've also talked about low mortgage rates. How about the Cambrian Credit Union card? Cambrian has great MasterCard options, including no fee cards, low interest rate cards, and rewards cards. Until June 30th, get a Cambrian Credit Union World Mastercard and receive a $120 first-year annual fee rebate. As well as fifteen thousand bonus points, which means one hundred and fifty dollars in cash equivalent. That's a total two hundred and seventy dollars in cash equivalent. Conditions apply. Learn more about these promotions at Cambrian.mb.ca. Ken, let's get into the goaltending decision here. Uh, Connor Hellebuck. It looks ugly uh, when you take a look at it afterwards. I know, and I get the argument of why they went back to back with Connor Hellebuck. Um, Hindsight being twenty twenty, I think it's pretty easy to say it may not have been the right. Well, I think it's a no brainer; it wasn't the right decision. Uh, but w- what do you take away from how things turned out for Connor Halliburtt these last couple of games?
1: Yeah, I mean, you and I, I don't think we we don't quite see it the same way in this situation. Not at all. Um, not at all. Uh, uh, which is fine. So, um, for me, uh, again, even based on what we said, I, I can understand. You know, the Jets aren't, you know, realistically in it but I do understand why, especially after sitting out the third period yesterday. Um, I think the Jets, it's not understandable why they rode their number one guy. And I'm again, do I think that Eric Carmi deserved a few more starts uh, earlier on in the season? Absolutely. Do I think that Connor Elbuck could have been pulled after the sixth goal as a mercy pull? Absolutely. I, I think I would have preferred that he was out um, after the sixth goal. But again, if you're a coach with a sliver of hope, you're leaning on your number one guy I mean so he's up to what 64 starts now this year I mean that's too many I mean that's those are the facts um, he's a workhorse he can handle a heavy load but the fact that uh, you know Eric Carmy didn't get a few more starts earlier on this year um, was an example of why the Jets needed to lean on Eric Carmy a little bit sooner um, I, I don't pin this on Connor Hellbuck, but again, I don't I don't think he was as sharp as he would be if he was a little bit more rested. and uh, he started back to back twice this week in the same week. Uh, it, there was limited travel both times. I, I totally understand that And not playing on Wednesday, I, I think that emotionally and physically Connor Hellbuck was able to handle it. But the biggest issue for me, Sean, is the Jets' inability to play in front of Hellebuck has heightened what was already a very heavy workload. And again, I understand too, Like, based on what we're saying, I mean, the Jets maybe won't be eliminated before Tuesday's game, but I think Eric Comrie should play at least four and potentially five of the last six games of the year. Uh, I think that Hellebuck, you know, not, not get ready for next year, but I, I don't think you roll Hellebuck until you're out of it. I think the, I think that the Jets need a you know, need a boost and a lift, and I think that starting Eric Comrie on Tuesday against the Rangers is the call uh, to make in this situation. I think that Connor needs a couple days to kind of regroup, uh, and I know that he didn't play between Monday and Friday. But I think mentally, this would have been a mo- really taxing weekend for Hellebuck. Um, you know again and I don't think a lot of the goals were his fault but uh, when a team gives up 13 and you're basically watched your last you know playoff live flicker uh, I think it's time to to go to Comrie and you know I understand why you think Comrie should have gone tonight and and that's okay but I mean to me Comrie Comrie played great against the St. Louis Blues, but Comrie's seen limited action against the elite teams in the NHL. And does he deserve to play against one of those teams? Sure. I think he'll get a chance to uh, next week when they play either New York or Carolina, but uh, I think there's a, there's a, there's, there's a little bit of a, I don't know what the word is right now. Um, I think there's a, you know, there, you're running a bit of a risk if you're throwing Comrie in there today against tampa but at the same time sean hey eric Comrie has shown that he's a capable nhl backup you don't just get to play against the teams in the bottom half of the schedule sometimes you got to play against an elite team just to see how it goes and i think you're right i think he deserves an opportunity to play against one of those high high end teams
0: um before i i before my retort for that, uh, I wanted to get in and uh, thank uh, our other sponsors in the Johnston Group, who I just, I can't get over this the graphic that they sent us, I'm so happy about it. Uh, but the Johnston Group, you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits, proudly administered by our friends at Johnston Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses, and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.com. Ca. And you know what? I've been thinking about this so much lately, Kenny. And I think it's absolutely right. Again, after we talked with us, the one thing that I got to say is we love getting on and having these conversations with everyone in the chat room and everybody who shows up. And we know that after TSN 1290 died, uh, that, you know, sports talk in this town took a really big hit with that. The one thing that I got to say, um, if you enjoy having the opportunity to, to listen to us or interact with us and with, you know, other shows like the illegal curve show, or a Winna- Winnipeg sports talk it's 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 organizations and it is sponsors like Cambrian Credit Union and the Johnston group who are investing in these conversations and trying to create a flourishing market for this uh, so we so appreciate uh, them for doing that and we hope that you appreciate them as well uh, I got a little bit okay, of a surprise quick-
1: here what's up one quick one uh, speaking of our sponsors, uh- the email that I sent you from our, from our friend Indigo, I have a and one more quick thing when it comes to Cambrian, uh, Sean. The credit card is a great thing to look into, but we both know a few folks getting ready to house hunt this summer. If you're thinking of buying a home, yeah. it's a good idea to know what you can afford and, and to get pre-approved. We've talked in the past about the Cambrian Mortgage Affordability Calculator, where you can find out how much you can afford in two minutes. If you've already done that, getting pre-approved for a mortgage is a key step so that when the perfect home comes up, you're ready to take full advantage of it. Find the mortgage affordability calculator or apply to be pre-approved for a mortgage at cambrian.mb.ca.
0: Yeah, gotta be gotta be ready to take advantage in this market. I know a couple of people, uh, including our friend Mitch Peacock. Uh, maybe I shouldn't announce this, but there's been some house. Uh, not, I, would, I wouldn't call it swapping, but some house movement in his future. I'm sure he'll be announcing uh, some some exciting initiatives in his life coming up in the future. Here, before we do get to that, though, uh, I'm gonna bring in our main man Scotty Billick who we haven't seen for a while. It's good to see him on the show. Uh, Scotty, I'm going to ask you, uh, you didn't pick up on what Ken had to say here, but I'm going to ask you about your thoughts on the Jets going back-to-back with Connor Hellebuck down the stretch here. I mean, I think we all saw it coming. I don't think the pull in yesterday's game had anything to do with the choice here. I think they were going back-to-back regardless. But now that it's all yeah. said and done, we can see hindsight is twenty twenty on what happened on this you know disastrous trip through Florida. W- what's your take?
2: Uh, well, first, uh, is Tristan in the chat? Because he owes me a song. But uh, <laughs> anyways, um, no, I was going to say my own entrance music. But uh, you know the trip is, I mean, it's an you absolute just
0: play a clock radio in the background. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Just, I just whatever's got... <laughs> on the local AM dial. Get that rocking. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's right. Uh, well, I mean, the trip is as much of a disaster as it looked, I suppose. But I mean, what did we, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm unsure what we expected any different. I, you know, you go into Florida um you're facing one of the best teams if not the best team i don't know if they've eclipsed uh colorado are two points back so they're the second best team but i mean what's the difference really i mean it's one of the best teams in the nhl and then you got to play 24 hours again later against a two-time defending stanley cup champion so what did you expect i just don't know what people really expected so and 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 especially after last night's game like last night's game was a, an absolute no-show from a team that that got to Florida early and got the chance to, you know, unwind or whatever a couple of days in the sunshine all that, it, it did nothing for the team uh, except probably made them worse. And 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 then tonight was bad. I mean, tonight was, you know, you start well. I mean, they vowed. I mean, I guess the one thing after last night's game was Nikolai Ethers vowing that they'd be better tonight. And they were. I mean, they started off pretty good. Uh, you know, it was a bit of a a track meet, but then you get that 4-2 lead and the Jets are feeling good after that, and then it just all goes downhill. I mean, we've seen this against Colorado. We've seen it against all these teams, right? There's a bunch of teams where the Jets have just blown leads, whether it's one goal, two goal, three goal. Like it, it's happened all year. And so you get to the point where you're almost just expecting it to happen. Um, you're expecting that a 4-2 lead for the Jets is not, it's not safe. I mean, I mean, the Jets almost have to have a 6-2 or 7-2 lead for – for, you know, for a fan to think that, okay, well, they probably win 7-6, but at least they'll eke it out. and You know, 4-2 against the Lightning. I mean, the Lightning didn't look like they were in any trouble whatsoever. And, and, you know, they just chipped away at it, as they often do, and showed how to win a hockey game when you're down 4-2. And, you know, the Jets get down, they get down, and that's it. I mean, the Jets ran out of ammo in the chamber, and there was nothing else. So, um yeah, I agree with that, too, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, Connor Hellebuck. But what are you going to do? I mean, here's the thing with Connor Hellebuck. He, if he's tired or not, does it matter when you allow Mikhail Sergachev to come right down Main Street, go backhand shelf on you? Like, I, what is Hellebuck supposed to do in that situation? That's the part that I don't understand. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're a tired goalie or you're a well-rested goalie in the first game of the year. You're going to let a skilled guy come straight down Main Street unimpeded at all. And, and, and that's going to happen all the time. I mean, it's not, I don't know if, I mean, Hellbuck may be tired, but the problem isn't Connor Hellbuck. It's the atrocious defense in front of him. And that's, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about these games. You, you struggle to write about these games because it's the same thing. It's the same story over and over and over again, right? It's, it's the definition of insanity. It's the same things that, that are said after each game. Oh, we don't, I mean, I mean, we've gotten to the point where, I mean, nobody knows what to a- answer. Like, they don't have, uh, answer questions. Because there are no answers for this. I mean, it just it's question after question after question and no answers in this team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we get what we get here. I mean, the Jets are, what, two points now? It's either a Dallas win or a Jets loss and it's over. So this whole uh, playoff illusion. We is talked off.
0: about it earlier. I still think because of the, the tiebreaker, um, if the Jets went on, like the Jets have to basically win out even if – Uh, if Dallas wins one game, but if Dallas, and this isn't going to happen, but if Dallas won just one of their last, I think they're down to seven games now. uh, And the Jets ran the table, they would be tied in the standings. And I do believe the Jets would get in based on the tiebreaker regulation overtime wins because Dallas is way, they've won so many games in the shootout. Um, So it's not quite down to just one game, but it's over. We've talked about this for a long time. I I wanted to, you know what here, I'm going to give my thoughts on the Comrie uh, Hellebuck situation, but it has been asked for, a number of times here. Craig Zams asked for well, a long time well, about the headband goes. and Merle <laughs> Peters said, Sean, we need the headband early in this one. I've made you wait too long as it stands. We're halfway through, <laughs> but it's never too late to hear a little bit of the Sean's headband tune. So let's get to it, everyone. Let's make it a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show. <laughs> so kenny you and i were talking about this earlier uh i've gone off on this i think i've made my stance on this pretty clear for some time now i've been advocating for uh for more games from Comrie. I've made it entirely clear how I feel about the Jets. I think they've overworked uh, Hellebuck not only this year but in years past. Um, but th- there's a line that came out of the press conference earlier today, uh, and again, this is why we love the, tr- the the truth serum, right? When it's going, the truth serum was flowing today with Stassi, which we have to get to and talk to. Let's hop in and talk about that afterwards. But it was it was flowing with Kyle Connor as well, uh, and he talked about, you know, it's never too soon to start building culture. Talk Talking about effort and all those things and this is kind of the point i was trying to get to in our last show when it came to this situation down the stretch here i get the idea that Connor hellebuck you believe he's one of the best goalies in the world he is right i get that but to me you brought in a guy and gave him the job of being the backup he is part of this team he's part of the winnipeg jets and you take this down the stretch here and you take away the opportunity for someone like Eric Camner who's done everything he can to be a positive influence and a positive force moving this team forward this season and take away any opportunity for him to do something with this to me it it is it it, it is essentially saying that you don't have enough faith in your team to get the job done here and this mm-hmm. is the other idea this listen if if this is we talked about this, Ken, behind the scenes. There's a lot of things that Dave Lowry came in that he was going to try and clean up that Paul Maurice was doing. One of them was like, you know, making guys earn their ice time, giving ice time to people who earned that ice time. And we saw a little bit of that with Dylan Sandberg's usage, and we've seen it up and down the lineup with different players. They'll get opportunities that we think that maybe they would not have got under Paul Maurice's tenure. So he's been doing those things. But i i do think too there's a lot of things that paul maurice uh you know did that that dave Lowry could have come in and cleaned up um that he hasn't done and to me that's one of them and this is the thing behind the scenes i've heard too many conversations come from the coaches of this team be it paul maurice or be it dave lower where they talk about you know hey if if it was up to connor hellebuck he would take every single game you know what i mean and and of course, that's how it should be. That's how really good goaltenders should be. But it is your job as the coach to be the parent in the room, to say, no, it is better for this team. I don't care if it's better for you and you want to start 82 games because you believe that you're, the best chance that this team has is for you to, to to start 82 games. As the coach, it has to be incumbent upon you to say no. To the starter who wants you to say yes every single time, and if the pressure from Connor Hellebuck to play more and more and more is one of the reasons we've seen the usage from him over the stretch with Paul Maurice, and then it's the same thing that we're seeing out of Dave Lowry at this stage. That's that is unacceptable. Your job as the coach is to take and have faith in your team. There was there was nothing wrong, guys. Nothing wrong with down the stretch here, when the Jets know that they're eliminated, and we know they're eliminated, and the numbers suggest that they're eliminated, there is nothing wrong. You are not waving a white flag by not playing Connor Hellebuck in one of these two games. And if, if you see that as waving a white flag, you don't understand hockey. Because just the other night, Scott Wedgwood was getting a bunch of starts for the Dallas Stars, who are in a similar position that the Winnipeg Jets are in. Yeah, maybe they're not in, in the playoffs right now, but they're getting dogged from behind. But, oh, that's a terrible thing. <laughs> that is not what I meant. Oh, my goodness. They, they are getting chased from behind by, by the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. They're in a playoff race as well. I go back to what Kyle Connor said. It's never too soon to start building culture. Building culture is having faith in your team, paying players off like like uh, Eric Comrie for the the stuff that he's done, the performance he's had for the Winnipeg Jets this year, and having faith in your team and making the right proper decisions that other teams make, even with star goaltenders, like the the the, the, the T- Tampa Bay Lightning are in the middle of a fight right now to try and finish second and gain a home ice advantage against the Leafs. They need to win these games. They had their backup goalie in here tonight. That's won. the way it goes. This is these are the decisions that you make down the stretch to try and make sure that your goalies, like if the Jets made the playoffs at this stage, if they pulled off a miracle run, they win their net, all the rest of their games and Dallas entirely falls apart and the Jets make the playoffs, a what bad. kind of shot are they going to have with Connor Hellbuck when they've rode him into the ground down the stretch here? I just think it's, it's, to me, it's obvious hockey to go to your backup more often than you needed to here. And I think that the Jets are putting themselves in trouble in the future by tiring out their goaltender now Uh, by by playing him the way that they have for, for as much as they did this season, the previous season, the previous season, these are wrong decisions being made. And if this organization thinks they're the only organization in the NHL that has a good goalie who wants to play all the time and it can affect the outcome of this team, they're wrong and they're not paying attention.
1: Uh, just a quick one. Uh, I will apologize to Eric Comrie. He did start against another one of the higher end, if not elite teams, when he played against the Toronto Maple Leafs, Sean. But what we were talking about after that game is why didn't Hellebook start after playing so great against Buffalo? So uh, I don't I, think
0: I, I was saying that.
1: <laughs> no, maybe not. But most people were. And again, I'm most not blaming. Most people were.
0: I was not saying that. There okay. there should have been every opportunity on back-to-backs. The way he played this year, there was not an excuse to not go to Eric Carmy in one of the two back-to-backs down the stretcher. None.
2: It's just way too late in the game, though, is it not? Like, we're, we're so, <laughs> so why, hard. Why are you
0: tearing out your star goaltender? I, I agree with
2: you. Here. I agree with you, Sean. And the reason why I agree with you is because three years ago, when the Tampa Bay Lightning went out in the first round, Andre Vasilevsky came out, and I've said this before. He came out after the end of that series and said, <laughs> he said, he said at the end of that series that he was tired, right? They played him too much and he was done. What did they do? What did the Lightning do next? the next year? They load managed him properly. And the Jets just haven't figured it out. But, but this, the problem with this team, Sean, it, it, and, and even it's not it's not Connor Hellebuck, right? It's not even that you're playing Connor Hellebuck too much. It's the fact that this guy, every year, sees way more shots than any other goalie, plays way more minutes than any other goalie, sees way more high-quality shots than any other goalie. So what are you supposed to do? The, the, the problem is the guys in front and the structure of this team. It's not Connor Hellebuck. So if you're just going to put... I just don't understand how the Jets get better. Is it not just a lateral move to put Eric Comrie in a little bit more and play him? I, I don't know. Yeah, he's 6-1-1 this year. Whatever. It, that that, I, that just, It doesn't matter... When your team is as bad as it is and so i just don't understand what the difference would be playing air Conry more or hellebuck are you going to win more games when you're so porous on on the defensive end um that it's going to make any difference
1: karma needs to get 20 starts next year i mean that uh, sean i so i'm with you on that front but I think we also can't ignore the the fact that Connor Helbig's best season is, I think, is you know his best season was when he had 64 starts and 67 games. So I understand that's four years removed from that, but I think that that's a factor. I mean, his start starts were you know 26 in the first year when he came in when Pavlik was hurt, 53 the next year, then 64, then 62, then 56, then 45 in a shortened year, 64 now. So. I mean, I don't think you can argue that you should play him 45 games, but I do think you could make an argument that 58 to 62 probably makes a lot of sense. but this is a guy that is a rhythm goaltender so um, and the thing with Vasilevsky, he's still busy. We know that I mean he's not playing 65-70 anymore, but no, he still starts church. a lot of games. but again, what do you we know their defense,
2: right? Yeah, right for a sure defense in front of him.
1: But they've learned to play defense. Even, you know, for a few years, Tampa Bay was lighting it up. The year they lost to Columbus, sure. they weren't good enough defensively, even though they set a record right. for the regular season success. So, uh, but no, this, these are the facts. The Jets need to play their backup more. Uh, but I don't see them going to a 50-30 split, and I don't think they need to. But they need to get the backup goalie into 20-22 to 22 starts uh, moving forward, and if you don't think that Eric Comrie can handle that load, then they need to find somebody else. But I think Eric Comrie has earned the opportunity to have that many starts.
2: I don't, and, I, and I'll just jump in. I don't think it has anything to do with them trusting Eric Comrie or not. I don't think they trust the team in front of Eric Comrie. So what you're going to do is throw Eric Comrie to the Wolves, and he's not used to that here, right? This is only his first year ever playing as a backup in the town. And if you're just going to ruin them by throwing them out in front of it, don't get me wrong. Rick, I, I know that Connor Hellbuck is getting thrown to the wolves every night too, but he's at least used to it. Right. And, and the thing is like, and I know Nick, I think Nick in the chat said, well, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're messing around with your cornerstone. Well, they've been, they've been messing around with the cornerstone of this franchise for the last three years, because all they've done is allowed him to go out there, save their ass every night and, and then, and then hope for the best. It got them into the play-in two years ago when they weren't even in the playoff spot when the season got paused. They they backdoored into the playoffs last year, won a round because they basically shut down two of the best players in the world and Edmonton has nothing else. And this year, because they have nothing else and they have no structure, it's all caught up to them. And even Connor Hellbuck can't pull them out of the fire. So I just can't, I can't blame Connor Hellebuck. It's not on Eric Comrie either. And I don't think a split makes any difference other than yeah, resting Hellebuck a little bit more. But the biggest problem with this team is they can't play in front of those two guys without just leaving them out to dry every night. And, and, and Paul Stastny said it out tonight. I mean, he said, we, we've done it so many times this year where they've left him out on an island and, and that's what they've done. So, so I just don't yeah. see the difference.
0: Ken, uh, Ken, do you have that quote handy? We should go straight to that quote and get talking about Paul Stastny. Do you happen to have that quote handy from him? Because it's a a good one.
1: Yeah. uh, I was asking him about the the biggest takeaway. He just talked about the disappointment. And he said, you know, we had a couple good looks to extend our lead, but we didn't convert. And then we left our goalie out to dry. We've done it all year. Some games Hellbuck makes great saves or they don't score. But over the course... Of the year if you keep giving up grade a chances like that and keep leaving guys alone in the slot you're gonna get burned and that that's what they did i <laughs> mean that's yeah um that is a that's the reality for the jets that they just haven't been able to fix and yeah i mean and for the people saying that you know helbook's raw numbers aren't great but that's because of the team in front of them i mean um, that's not because Connor Hellbuck suddenly has forgotten of how to play a goal. I mean, could he have been a little bit better? Sure. That's because he's established an incredibly high standard, but he's covered up the warts for so long, the Jets didn't address the warts, right? This is the problem uh, with what has happened here. Scott, I know you've talked about it a lot and written about it. I mean, this is the biggest issue for the Jets is that, you know, since the de- defense core was over- overhauled, the Jets haven't been committed enough defensively. But because of Connor Hellebuck's un, you know, ridiculous play at a high level, they haven't figured out or remembered what the commitment level was like when they were playing solid defense in front of him, and when he was having Vesna caliber seasons uh, because of the high danger chances that they give up. So, uh,
2: I, yeah, and I think the problem is like Hellebuck's good play has kind of stunted this team a bit, and it's not Hellebuck's fault. I mean, he's doing what he's paid to do and be a good goalie. One, one of Vesna doing it, but the problem is, I think the Jets rested on the fact that, oh well, we got a, this world-class goaltender that's led us to the postseason twice. Oh, maybe he can lead us to the promised land again. We added nine million dollars on defense, so you know why not? I mean, maybe they'll get better. But the problem is, you know, you could you could put any defenseman, you could put any defenseman, on, and this, you know, the best defenseman in the league, and I don't think it makes it much difference because this team. And Kyle Connor said it tonight too, like they just don't play it. There's no harmony in this team, there's nothing. It, it, they don't do anything as a five-man unit on the ice together well. Um, and they get caved in repeatedly over and over again, um, even when they're up, even whenever. And so I just, you know, I, 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 this team needs to be, uh, gutted is the wrong word, but it needs to, uh, some pretty good surgery. And, and I think it starts with, there needs to be some sort of structure and somebody needs to come in here and 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 change it um and Kyle i call connor saying that oh you know the, the culture needs to change and all that that, that that's true uh, you know there's gonna be some players in there to do it but it doesn't seem you know when he says there's lack of motivation and i know that dave lowry kind of tried to you know bury that one pretty quick tonight but i think kyle connor's telling the truth there. i think there's a divide in the room that you know guys are just like well whatever the season's done and, and that's it and That's difficult to play within because there's guys on this team that I think really want to change this team around. And I think there's guys also on this team that are indifferent or at least become apathetic to it and, 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 and need somebody to come in here and make them care about the game again.
0: I just want to make a quick point here because I've seen some people have been talking about it. I think that's the point Justin Bunzilek was just trying to make there. And, sorry, Nicklin says Hellebuck's underlying slash analytics still have him as a top 5 to 10 goalie in the league, far from a helly problem. I I, I think what you're... I don't know if you're hearing what we're saying here. None of us, not one of us, up here is saying that Connor Halibut has cost them this year. We're talking about the way that the team is using him down the stretch here. We're not saying that he's failed the team. I think the suggestion is maybe that the team or the in the okay. usage of it is failing him, right? And I know that someone, I know Terry M was talking earlier on uh, about how many games that Broder play. This was a conversation we had last time, I, and I'll say it again quickly. I'm totally of the belief that that. Marty Brodeur is the only goalie in history. I, I'd actually have to look Hashek. at Hashik's numbers. Hashik, I guess, would be another guy in there. But you're talking about two guys yeah. who weren't necessarily, you didn't look at these guys and think that they were physical specimens. They kind of looked, you know, Hashik was really lanky. And and uh, Brodeur was, you know, a little bit, he looked a little bit out of shape. But these two guys did not break down. They held up. And that—that that my my take, and it's been my take for a long time, and I, I think, Kenny, who is the guy? You uh, Mika Kiprasov. is a guy that you brought up. I think Mika Kiprasov is the perfect guy. I remember going back and looking at his numbers as they as the Calgary Frames started using him after that 2004 run and his numbers went down and down and down and down because they were just running him into the ground because they were the team with this great goaltender and that's what they were going to do. They were going to live off goaltending and I do think that kind of points to what Scott is talking about here. You could see that Calgary Flames team get worse and worse and worse year after year because they kind of played this game where it was like, okay, well we'll lose a couple of defensemen. Who cares? We've got what we believe is the best goalie in the game. Let's just lean on him. And it's that we've talked about Hel- Buck before being the, the great eraser for this team. I, I would say that Scott, if, if this is if it's the truth, if the Jets have sat back and said, you know what, forget about it, we've got this goaltender, let's not address the, these issues, then it is entirely, entirely on the past coaching staff and especially on the management group of this team if they have sat back and said, let's just play a style of hockey where we're running gun offense up top and just let Connor Hellebuck bail us out for the rest of the time. I and I don't think that's the case. I think that's what they were trying to fix this year when they. Went and they picked up Schmidt and Dylan. But just to hammer this point home, we're not saying for a second that Connor Hellebuck is at fault for what's happened to the Jets this year. The conversation that we're having is the usage of this player down the stretch. Is it the right thing for the Jets to be doing? And it will, have, will it have ramifications beyond this season? And I truly believe that it will, which is why I don't like the decisions that are being made. Um, I want to get back to Stastny here, guys, and, and talk about this because uh, – I'm going to say this, down the stretch here, I think Paul Stastny, and maybe it's a moot point because the Jets clearly aren't going anywhere. But has there been a more important player to the Winnipeg Jets down the stretch here over the last 10 games or so than Stastny? I mean, if you take a look at it, the Jets needed to get a good start today. Well, who's right in front of the net to redirect the puck in in the hardest spot to play on the ice is Paul Stastny. He goes there last night. The only goal that the Jets got against the Florida Panthers. Who's right in the goalie's kitchen and in the hardest spot to be on the ice? Stastny, your oldest player is your most game player he's been i don't know what the stats are lately they tr- they trotted it out on the broadcast he's been putting the puck in net like crazy he's been a revelation ever since they've moved him up to that top line but the, i think that his most important attribute has been the fact that he gets up in front of the mic and he says what needs to be said like he did again tonight he pointed it out and this is this is what i'm talking about if 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 everyone talked like paul stastny on this team instead of like 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 this i'll hold this up this this idea and paul Maurice used to sell it night after night after night on these games where the jets would put up a stinker against a really bad team like the 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 ottawa senators and then they'd go out and they'd skill their way and they'd win it 5-4 in overtime or something like that they'd always say they'd always say Stay in the fight. I liked how we stayed in the fight as if it was this noble cause of the Winnipeg Jets to not show up in the game dust off their sticks in the third period, go out and play some pond hockey and get the perimeter goals against an inferior team, win it, like that was a noble way of playing, and this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Stastley says what needs to be said, and now all of a sudden Ehlers is saying what needs to be said, and Kyle Connor is saying what needs to be said. This is important, guys, because of exactly what Kyle Connor said tonight, it's never too soon to start building culture. This is what we need to start hearing from Kyle Connor, from Nick Ehlers, at the Beginning of next year, if this is the problem that the Winnipeg Jets are having, we don't need to wait until the Winnipeg Jets are eliminated from the playoffs for these players to finally start saying, yeah, we hung out our goalie to dry like we've done all year. We've seen it, the fans have seen it, but the players never talk about it. This is why it's important. Stastny, right now down the stretch here by driving the front of the net, by showing up at this time of year and by showing up in the press conferences and telling the truth about this team is working on this team's culture down the stretch here. Like Kyle Connor says, it's never too soon to start building culture. Right now, Paul Stastny is the culture carrier on this Winnipeg Jets team. My contention, he's the most important player on this team down the stretch. I don't know what it would have looked like if he would have got moved at the trade deadline, Ken.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, He certainly has been important on and off the ice, Sean. But so here we go too. So let's look into the crystal ball here. Uh, Based on everything that Paul Stastny is saying, what does that mean for his future? I mean, if you're Paul Stasty and you're 36 years old, are you betting on the jets, turning it around in one year and becoming Uh, a Stanley cup contender? Oh, for sure. Or, or are you signing with someone who is far ahead of of the race? I mean, we've seen what Tampa Bay has done in terms of bringing in veterans in the last couple of years. I mean, Tampa Bay, do you think Paul Stasty would fit in well in Tampa Bay on the third or fourth line there? Come on. I mean, I've talked about the Colorado Avalanche in the past as well. I mean, if you're Paul Stastny, I will be very, very curious. And again, I think he's open to signing in Winnipeg, and I think he could play a massive role in that culture change that you are talking about, Sean. Uh, I'm also quickly here too. I know we talked about it briefly, but Kyle Connor again, when he talked about here, uh, you know, just couldn't find it tonight. I don't know whether it's tired, you know, lack of motivation in some of the guys in the room or or we're definitely or what it is, we're definitely a frustrated group in here. And you know it's tough. Yes, there's a slight chance, but there is a chance to make playoffs here. And you know, two critical games, and we put up that kind of effort. I mean, it was a disappoint. I mean, Kyle Connor's done a nice job this year in the leadership side of things, not just mm-hmm. his effort on the ice, he's really started to grow into that as well. So I do think the Jets have some some guys who are that can carry them forward. But right now, man, I, I'm very curious uh, to see what Paul Stastny does in the off season. I mean, I think that there is a new, there is a younger core of leaders emerging, uh, but I think that it, bringing back Paul Stastny should be a priority in a lot of ways. Again, and you don't have to. Paul's going on the year to year. I mean, people are going to say he had a great he had a great year, so he will he'll be looking for a two year deal. Paul's kind of on this one year, take it, take and see where things go. So. I mean, if Paul Stastny chooses to go elsewhere, that might give you an answer in terms of how far away the Jets are in terms of getting things turned around.
2: Yeah, and, well, and I'll say one. I'll just add one thing. I think Paul Stastny, if he even he always has the opportunity to join a contender, right? Exactly. I, mean, I think I think he would always. So I think they could sign him here. I think he could have gone to a contender this year. I don't know what's stopped him. Well, I,
0: no, I, I. What stopped him is I think he had a true belief in this team. I mean, we saw it from we saw it from not just him in the phone calls that he made to Schmidt and Dylan, but we heard it. You know, in sure. basically every player at the beginning of this season, you heard it from Andrew Kopp right before he got traded, said he fully expected yeah. that he would be you know gearing up for a long playoff run down the stretch here. I think that Paul Stastny, you know, stayed here because he truly believed one that he was going to have an important role to play on this team. I mean, the
2: deadline. No, Like, why, why did he stay at the deadline? Like, well, that's because, the part I mean, Kevin Sheveldayoff me said he wasn't going to
1: take calls because he knew how important he was to trying to get things turned around, I think. Sure, I mean,
2: I, I, I guess. I, I find it hard to, I mean, I guess Paul Stasny feels he's going to play another couple of years, right? Because if you're a guy like Paul Stasny who hasn't won a cup but has had a great career, I mean, don't you want to be the next Ray Bork or one of those types of players who goes to a team and, and wins a cup? Like, I think, I think, I, I, I I think they might, yeah, who knows? Maybe they've already talked to a contract and already, but, I, you know, I think it was almost incumbent on Chevy. He had to keep Paul Stasny around because where does this team go down the stretch without that glue, right? And I get it. Like, there are guys that are that are coming up and saying the right things and doing all that, but, I mean, there's a reason, again, why Matt Hendricks came into this team a few years ago, too. I mean, the culture has been bad and, and so Paul Stasny keeps his team together, I think, in the room. He's the kind of the the guy that's holding both ends of the, you know, the the rope, right, to hold the guys from going apart. But, and I think that's the only reason why he's still here. Otherwise he probably would have gone. Like why, if you're Paul Stasny, why aren't you trying to go win a Stanley Cup? That's the part that I don't get, right? So yeah, anyways.
0: Well, I, th- I think that's something we expect down stretch. Here Here's the thought I had, and sure. I'm going to read this from Stonewall, Dave. More players are talking about the team culture in vaguely negative ways, and part of that seems to be they recognize the organization power of the vet core, uh, Shifley and Wheeler is waning. Um, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with the end of that statement. I'm not saying I disagree, but what I will say is I don't think we know enough. This team doesn't talk about these things enough out in the open, uh, and they do a really good job and have for years of keeping that room closed to the outside. So I don't know. Uh, I can't say, and I don't know about, you know, anyone else here, but I can't say that players have come to me to tell me that things are terrible inside that room. But I take it this way, Ken. Do you take Kyle Connor saying that it's never too late to start building culture as an admission that the Jets culture isn't right? Because I do. Yeah. I mean,
1: I'm not even sure You know, for me, this is simple. I mean, the Jets went from, you know, getting two wins away from the pin, or sorry, three wins away from the pinnacle uh, to winning one playoff series. So the culture's going the wrong way. You're not building a winning culture if you're not winning, right? Right. And I I know you have to lay the foundation before you get to the winning part. But to me, this is a group that's been here for a long time, and they're sick and tired of not be, of being an also ran, which is what the Jets have been the last stretch of games here. Um, and not just the last stretch of games, the last couple of seasons, they had an impressive win over the Edmonton Oilers, yes, but then they lost to a team that nobody even expected to be in the second round. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, Kerry Price went on a crazy roll, no doubt about that, but I mean, there just seems to be a lot of disappointment from guys like Kyle Connor and you know, Josh Morrissey, we've seen it all year long, Connor Hellebuck, a, a lot of these guys. So, I mean, does the culture need to change? Yes. They've, the Jets have won three series in 11 years. That's not establishing a winning culture. You can't have a winning culture without winning. This yep. is simple. So, and until you, but again, you don't it win over night. further
2: than the dressing room is all I'll say, right? Like, I mean, we're 11 years into this. If you're, if you're Mark Chipman, you're 11 years into this. You have absolutely nothing to show for it. Absolutely nothing. You have some good players. Yeah. You got some great players. You, you've, you've got to, but you haven't, no, what, what is this team trying to do? Right. What's the direction of this? Team? What are they trying to do? Are they trying to win a Stanley cup?
0: Are oh, they, they are. Sell out they are. I, I think, I think the beginning of the season was telling the way that the, the, the team. Uh, the, their coach, their general manager talked about them at the beginning of the year. I truly think that the Jets thought that they were on to something this season. So I don't take this as them giving up or throwing in the towel. They've been spending to the cap for as long as they can. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, going to the conference final in 2018 isn't nothing. This was a team that if it had not being um, uh, as young as they were, as experienced, inexperienced as they were. I see 2018 turning out different, but but the issue is I, I do think that there's there's something that happened to this team after that year. Clearly, we saw it all happen in 2019 when the team, just after Christmas, entirely fell apart. And they always do just enough to make it look like last year, too. You know, you brought this up, Ken. They get past Edmonton. You know, I don't know how impressed I was by that first round series. They got out analytic like crazy. They had the better goaltender in that series. And they get by, you know, basically scoring overtime goals every game in that series. And then they go and get absolutely waxed by the montreal canadians after that but i think that part of the culture that we're talking about here that is causing problems is exactly what i said last year i remember kenny you and i had this debate i don't think you had a problem with it i had a major problem with it last year when uh when kevin shovel came out and said we're one of the top eight teams in the league this year i didn't see it that way i i mean that was i i thought it i thought there was a lot of audacity in suggesting that because they got past a flawed Edmonton Oilers team in a year where everything was lined up the way it was because of COVID. I thought there was a lot of audacity to sell that and say, we're one of the top eight teams in the league. And I thought that audacity continued with comments like we are that close to being not just a Stanley Cup winner, but uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ken? A dynasty, uh, a dynasty. Dynasty. Like there's a lot of audacity in those comments. There's a lot of unearned swagger and arrogance in those comments. And to me, that unearned swagger and confidence is is kind of maybe part of the problem that we're looking at here the reason why there aren't changes right like the 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 fact of the matter here is it's been sold for so long that the jets were and a a stanley cup team in disguise that got that got totally screwed over by dustin bufflin leaving when he did and that's been this team's problem for years. And the defense was light because of that. Never mind the fact that you know Kevin Sheveld, they have had the ability; he didn't have to go in and 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 keep that exact same decor for that next year in 2019, and then lose a whole bevy of those guys all in one shot. So that you needed to rely on a, an oft injured Dustin Buffen in that situation. There's never that conversation about could we have handled the transition of defense better? Yeah, we could have that conversation never happened. They blamed it on that. And then they felt they finally fixed it. But, but the grave error in this is 2018. It worked something went wrong the next year. And what I think we're being exposed to this year is even after they fixed the D that whatever went wrong has been going wrong ever since. And to leave a problem festering in an organization for four years is kind of inexcusable, is it not?
1: Yeah, I would quickly say, uh, I mean, you're right about 2018, the Jets had not won a single playoff series as a franchise. So the fact that they won two was something, there's no doubt about that. Uh, in terms of last year, Sean, I mean, yes, the Oilers are a flawed team, but they also had have two of the best players in the NHL. So. Sure, but they also had those two
0: players lots of the Chicago Blackhawks in the play in the year before Okay, that. Like, this, this is That's an ongoing true. problem with the Edmonton yeah. Oilers.
1: Okay, but the Jets still kept those two players in check after a season where they absolutely got blowtorched by them, right? I mean, the sure. two of them combined for almost 50 points in the sure. 10 games. So
0: they, they leaned on a two-man team and beat yeah. them. Like, they yeah, found they, a way a to get past part. that. They had, had a is, good game plan. Sure, but it is no That's reason it. to walk out of that and hang up the banner that oh, you're Oh, no one, one was hanging up a banner, the banner, no. No, no, the, the Jets hung up the banner. I'm not saying know. you're I mean, saying they, that. I mean, they, they were one of the last eight teams standing. They said uh, it! They said it! Yeah, anyway, go on. Sorry, I know I cut you off.
1: No, it's totally fine. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things have happened, but, I mean, again... You have to decide if you're in or out, right? I mean, this is the thing. The Jets have had a couple of seasons where they went kind of close to all in. Uh, they spent over the cap this year at a time where after the franchise lost a ton of money. So I don't necessarily, th- I wouldn't question the commitment I, to winning.
2: Sorry. Hold on, the hold fact. on. Before, before you try and kill me here. I'm not I was killing responding you. to a comment that came on the oh, screen. Sorry. Not what got you got said. You. All right. gotcha. Right. No,
1: it's okay. And again, the Jets need to be better. I mean, that there's no here's the thing, Sean. The other problem for the Jets, it, it's not it's not a problem that you believe in something. It's the fact that while the Jets have been sort of stagnant, the teams around them are getting better. Oh, yeah. Right? This is the issue for the Jets. It's not you got a lot of nice pieces, but the other teams around you have gotten a lot better so in order to get back to the level where those teams that are a lot better are some changes have to be like the roster construction is not working so you either have too much of the same or you need to bring in some fresh blood i mean what we've heard from people who know the game really well this year when the jets were struggling before Maurice resigned the jets look stale that's one of the text messages i got from someone who watches hockey and watches the Jets a lot. And that's just the way that it goes. Sometimes when you have too many, again, you want to build things where you have a group that's together and cohesive and has been there for a long time. But it's time to make another you know, foundational change to the group. And I think that unless they make a foundational change, the Jets will sort of be stuck in the murky middle right now.
0: Yeah. moving. Scotty, forward.
1: you got stuff to talk about. With
2: yeah, you. I mean, I... I just, I have such a tough time with, I'm just going to go to the Bufflin thing because I, I, I'm, I'm tired of listening to, oh Buff screwed this team and all that stuff. Make it work, figure something out, right? Like where's the creativity? And that's part of the problem that i found with this team is there's very little creativity from Kevin Chevel Dayoff in terms of getting this team better. Like here's a problem, solve it. That's your job as a general manager. You, you solve problems, right? You, you, you determine what type of team you want to be, and you go out and get those players. I get it. It's difficult in Winnipeg, a tough market, all that stuff. It's hard to get players here. But the fact is you can get players here, and you don't need world-beating players, all of them, all of the time. The St. Louis Blues proved that. You don't need people like that. Any team can get to the Stanley Cup final. They have to be a team, though, and they haven't been a team here in four years, since 2017-18. And and what yeah, like we said, whatever happened in 2018, 19, you know, it did Buff screw the team, or did somebody else or something or did the culture screw the team, which led Dustin Bufflin to leave sixteen million dollars on the table and retire? I mean, I, I think we we can't we can't miss that point here. I mean, I get that Dustin Bufflin marches to the beat of his own drum, but you don't just walk away from sixteen million dollars. Like people don't do that, right? So why? I mean how I mean, this is the story that needs to be told at some point, is that they need to figure out, and this is the other thing, and that's a great comment by, by Remo, is that the Jets have rested at times on the fact that they beat the Edmonton Oilers. They were defiant. I remember Blake Wheeler saying to us after that, that, that uh, series, who, who would have you picked us to win that series? It, it was like the, it was the media's fault, you know, that that, that they were the underdog in that. Yeah, not the or fact
0: they lost seven straight games to them or something. We're,
2: like exactly, that. right? like it's, But this team, is it's, it's almost like it's they're, them against the whole world when really it's the whole world that sees what they are and they don't see it themselves. And I think that's part of the biggest problem of this team is this team is almost a bubble. they live in this bubble where they don't allow the negativity and the thoughts and we've heard this from Paul and me so it's why are we introducing a negative thought into the conversation and all that garbage right like i mean it's just the problem is this team hasn't hasn't seen or taken adhered to the warning signs that have that have played that have come how many red flags could we we could list them off if we thought about it over the last three or four years where it's just become it's stale, I guess. Right? The word stale. It's become toxic. Whatever it is, but I don't think we can just look at this team and say, "Well, hey, it, it, you know, it, it's just a couple players away, or or whatever." No, like this is a couple of. It might be a couple of years away from re, you know, figuring out what this team actually needs in the dressing room, on the ice, and all that stuff. But th- th- it needs a vision, and I haven't seen them. what's the vision of this team. And uh, if you guys can explain it to me. That'd be great, but I don't know what it is. Because you look at (laughs) Julian Brisebois or other GMs who are like, I need this type of player, and I'm going to go get that type of player. And that's why the Tampa Bay Lightning have won two Stanley Cups in a row, because they went and got the players. They had a good culture, went and got the players that fit in the car. It's the reason why the Boston Bruins have been a playoff team ever since they won the Cup in 2011, right? These are teams that see, and, and even though they've gone through different GMs, it, that room has been so good in Boston or even in Tampa where you can get bounced in the first round and still come back the next year and win the Stanley Cup because there, there's a belief in that room. and that, that, that isn't here with the Jets, right? They can't even win a game if they're winning you know, 3 nothing in the first period or 4-2 in the second period, and that, let alone handle all of the adversity that comes And Blake Wheeler will talk about it, and we're going to hear this at the end of the year, I guarantee it. Well, this was a strange year, and there's all these things that happened to us, and well, that's just excuses after excuses. And it just kicks the can down the road again until Blake Wheeler's out of here and his contract expires. And you lose Connor Hellebach and all the other players on this team, Kyle Connor, you waste all these guys' career, and then you have nothing left to show for it. And that's that's where this team is headed, right? Because that's what that's all the thing that we've seen. They just kick the can down the road again and again and again after every year. And, and blame it on COVID or blame it on whatever. Well, Tampa Bay lately didn't blame anything on COVID. They won two Stanley Cups, and every other team has tried to improve since then. And the Jets have just kind of done not a whole lot, right? I mean, like that's the truth of the matter. The Jets just aren't. They haven't done enough. My dog just ran but yeah. So, anyways, that's
1: quick thing. Yeah, on Buffalo, guys. Just a quick thing on Buffalo. I mean part of the reason he left the money on the table is because his body was breaking down. Yeah. If Dustin right. wanted, if Dustin wanted to play hockey, there were teams ready to offer him a contract, yeah. including really the team. Scott, Scott, Minnesota wild. Yeah. the Minnesota wild offered him a contract. So you get that. They could have done. Buff's body was breaking down. He had had enough. He doesn't need the money. He was, Always, it was always going to be on his terms. He, when he was ready, he was going to walk into the sunset. What do you mean, think? go
0: on LTIR, uh Scotty? Yeah, I mean,
1: sure, but I mean, the other thing for Dustin, I mean, the game wasn't as fun as it used to be for him. He's an
0: old time right, hockey if you're player. There,
2: go on LTIR like Shea Weber. I, I just don't understand why you run away from all that money. That's Are you talking about so the
0: Winnipeg Jets? Like his sure. time with the Jets,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: He, he 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 walked in and told his his GM that he was quitting. His contract was voided at that point. That's Well, well not
1: not exactly. I mean, they had the still had the back and forth. I mean, he put in a grievance. So he went, I mean, put in a grievance, it, which and
0: he, he lost, right? So here's the deal. He was dropped retracted. It. Yeah. He yeah. dropped it because the expectation was sure. from his team that he wasn't going to win it. So here's the deal. Everyone's the, talking about this. When, when he goes in and basically says that he's done with his coach, at that point, the Jets don't owe him money any, or sorry, with his he's, GM. He's voided his contract. So the issue with that entire thing is if he just would have walked in and said he was injured and never said anything about leaving the team, then he could have been, you know, collected his paycheck with the Jets. He could have gone on LTIR. He stepped away from his contract. And then tried to get his contract back with a grievance, wasn't able to do that, and the entire time that grievance was happening, this is the one thing about, I'll say this, that we talk about whether the Jets got screwed or not by by Dustin Bufflin. Dustin Bufflin, we know the timeline of this, right from the beginning of the year after he goes and he has his own surgery, right up to, until Christmas, he's not getting paid because he voided his contract when he went in and told his GM that he was leaving. Now that he's coming back or because well, he went suspended and he got...
2: Him. Sure, it's he's suspended,
0: suspended, but he didn't get a team-sanctioned uh, uh, operation surgery. on his ankle. He went and had surgery right. of his own volition. The team is saying, we're not paying for that. We didn't sanction this. We didn't say this is the way to go. So he's gone outside that contract and voided his contract. So he couldn't have got paid. So, But he makes his grievance and if his grievance is accepted, he does get paid and then he can go on LTIR if his ankle isn't, isn't where he needs it to be. And he can continue to co- collect the rest of his salary. The The problem is he's voided that contract, so that money was gone. He didn't walk away, like he walked away from that money in an instant when he walked into the office and said that, you know, he he, he wasn't going to play anymore. But in the defense of Kevin Sheveldayoff and how they did get screwed to a degree by Dustin Buffin is the entire time that Dustin Buffin is away and he's he's grieving the Jets suspending him. Right. Dustin Bufflin is telling him the entire time that he's coming back to play. But when the grievance falls through, Dustin Bufflin at that point says he's not coming back, right? So the Jets did conduct themselves that season as though by the end of the year, they were going to get Dustin Bufflin back. So in that way, you have to have empathy for Kevin Sheveldayoff because he was conducting himself the entire time as though, one, Dustin Bufflin was still a Winnipeg Jet, and two, they were going to get him back. But I I still say this, I I still think anyone who thinks – that after losing all those players but keeping Dustin Bufflin, that the Jets were just going to carry on and everything was going to be hunky-dory. It wasn't happening. He missed basically the better parts of two seasons with injury before that. This was a 35-year-old player who played extremely ruggedly. You had to expect that down the stretch for the rest of that contract, he was going to be missing significant time to injury, creating a hole that that we saw what happened to that team with that hole. But two, I I go back and I contend this – Kevin Sheveldayoff said he wanted to give that group that did so well in 2018 a chance to come together and, and, and try and make a push and win the Cup in 2019. So he didn't move... Uh, Tyler Myers, even though he thought that he was going to lose him. He didn't move Ben Sherrod, even though there was a good chance he was going to lose him. He didn't move Truba at that time, even though it probably ended up costing them more in what they got back. But my, my contention is that that's a decision that has to be made. Kevin Dayoff chose to lose a bunch of players and lose the balance and the strength that he had on defense for one shot and the jets have been living with that ever since he could have moved those players and tried to bring in a player of significant value in return and maybe not had as good as a defense core as what the Jets had in 2018 but a far better defense core than what we've seen for all these years since so I mean th- that's the one thing I think is constantly lost in this it is it is an extreme cop-out I think for the team to say and for fans to say everything would have been fine if Dustin Bufflin wouldn't have stepped away because he sh- he wouldn't have been here because of injury for a big chunk of that and two it ignores the fact that the Jets rolled the dice on 2019 at the cost of their defense core going forward, and they lost on that roll, and that's why we are where we are right now.
2: Didn't they do that this year, too, to a a lesser degree, but by bringing in Zach Sanford and not trading Paul Stasny and maybe not looking to move one of your defensemen like Brendan Dillon, is it Uh, not the same thing? Is it not just another missed opportunity by a general manager that only has two playoff wins, all three, I suppose? Well, Ken,
0: Ken, this is a good question. Ken, why do you think that despite the numbers screaming, screaming at Kevin Cheveldayoff that the Jets were not going to win the playoff, going to make it to the playoffs, why do you think he did this half and half thing? Why don't you think he just went full sail, get back what the team can? If the team is going to rejig in this offseason, why didn't it start then? Why did Kevin dayoff ignore the numbers and go with his heart on this
1: Well, two reasons. One, because the belief that you've talked about uh, often or we've talked about often. And secondly, uh, financial reasons were part of it. I mean, the Jets haven't sold out a single game this year. Uh, If they had waved, you know, tossed in the towel of surrender, there's potential that there's maybe 10 or 11,000 people at those last games. So uh, the Jets wanted to play as many meaningful games as they could. Um, Was it a mistake? I, I mean, it's easy to look at it now. It didn't work. So I mean, should they have gone a step or two further to try to get ahead of the game for next year? Sure. I mean, I can I can understand why people think that way. Sean, when we were doing our hits, I thought. But there, this here's the here's the battle. So Paul Stastny, if you wanted to move Paul Stastny because he was one of those guys uh, that would have been appealing to a Stanley Cup contender, um, you know, then now you're playing those games without him. So. You know did did it, did it help keeping him around? Well, I think the leadership value is helpful, but uh, did the Jets improve their team for ne- or help improve their team for next season? Outside of bringing in Morgan Barron, they won't have any immediate, you know, f- you know, immediate returns uh, in terms of what they're going to have in their lineup. So, um,
2: and you've talked again, about this before with Armstrong and St. Louis, right? They were on the cusp of maybe making the playoffs or not the year they traded Paul Stasny to Winnipeg, and yeah, they, but they weren't Spall going to win Stasny. the cup. <clears throat> yeah, no. But either are the Jets. Either were the, no. the Jets weren't even guaranteed to win. the I'm supporting the your playoffs.
1: theory here. I'm just saying right. the reason why he traded them, even though they might have squeaked into the playoffs, was because they weren't going to win the Stanley Cup. So they retooled at the important position down right. the but middle. But
2: isn't that the flaw in Kevin Shovel off though? Right there, right exactly what you're saying is that he couldn't get rid of the players that uh, even. The Jets weren't winning the Stanley Cup this year, right? Even if they backdoored into the playoffs, they were getting bounced in the first round by Colorado, so that's just the way it was going to be. So, why? Like, I guess that's the biggest question of the season. When you see the end in front of you, and you see your kind of demise in the season, why do you just walk and run straight into it? Like, that's well, that's the part I don't understand. No problem. So and I don't think me, a lot this of is simple.
1: The, the Jets have <laughs> looked at Zach Stanford in the past and had a. Th- two month audition to see if they want to bring him back. Secondly, Brendan Dillon. The defense corps, what have we talked about since the Jets got ran out of the rink by the Calgary Flames? Sean, we've talked about the and Scott, you know I've talked about this also. The defense corps needed to get bigger and stronger. So sure. And if you're looking at changing the culture, I would advise not moving Brendan Dillon. Brendan Dillon is a guy who's played on winning sure. teams and he makes your team tougher to play against um again i don't want to get into this I'll now the show's almost but, over yeah. but brennan dylan has been playing great very well alongside dylan sandberg sandberg has one bad game logan stanley goes in i mean this is an issue so the bigger issue for me when it comes to the jets they they actually have restocked the defense core it's taken a couple years longer than they would have liked and hey we're all sitting here on the panel wondering the same thing as everybody else if if, Devo- if Devon Taves was available for two seconds, I mean, how how much quicker would that have boosted the defense core to be able to oh, get a man. top pairing Never guy for two? Se- no, no, I'm just saying as an example. Yeah. So now the Jets have a defense core that you know has prospects that are ready to go. Now they're going to have to make moves in the summer in order to make room for those guys to be playing because Dylan yeah. Sandberg needs to be in the lineup, right? Yeah. Billy Hanlon needs to be he in, the not lineup. in the lineup
2: tonight. Have
1: you guys talked to them about that before?
2: No, we on?
0: haven't.
1: Why we was haven't. he
2: not in the lineup tonight? He made one mistake. Isn't Dave Lowry's thing like, oh, you make a mistake, but you can come back? What is? What are they doing? Like that's a it's a horrible decision. There's just
0: there's just clearly uh, there's just clearly an extremely strong belief in from from. Going back to Paul Maurice, uh, with Dave Lowry, with the Jets coaching staff, with the, with the management in this organization, there is just a really, really strong belief in Logan Stanley because the answer, the response to him being out of the lineup after, and, and he was right. Uh, uh, Sandberg didn't have the best game the last game. There was one goal where he one turned game. the puck over and ends up... Yeah. Uh, agreed. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm making over the point that six. you're trying yeah. to make here. Yeah. He had one bad game and then got hauled out of the lineup but the yeah. excuse given is, yeah, he didn't have to sorry, I shouldn't say excuse, the reasoning given was not necessarily that he didn't have the best game. They mentioned that but they said it was time for Stan to go back in the lineup. And that, uh, to me, sometimes you just got to listen, right? And what we've been told time and time again is there's an extreme belief by this organization organization. organization in logan stanley and that belief level whether it's deserved or not and clearly the fans think differently but that belief level in the organization in logan stanley is higher at this moment than it is in dylan sandberg and in billy haineland and anyone else down on the moose right now it's as simple as a
2: problem is it not like is that well dylan sandberg needs
1: to play the last six games is what i would that's my humble opinion and I get it. The Jets are trying to restore Logan uh, Logan Stanley's confidence, which is shaking. Let's just tell it like it is. I mean, Logan Stanley is not playing with confidence. Like, this is a fact. Uh, It's been a tough goal for him recently. Uh, And I understand if they want to play him. But don't don't play him at at the expense of Dylan Sandberg. I mean, Dylan Sandberg has not had enough games in the last couple of years. This year because of injury. Last year because of COVID. And the shortened season in the American Hockey League. Dylan Sandberg needs to be in the Jets starting six next year, and that's fine. If Logan Stanley wants to be part of that too, try to—he's going to he's gonna have to have a great summer. That—that that, those are the facts. I mean, I'm not—I've I've talked about this a long time. I think he can be an NHLer, no doubt. Uh, but Dylan Sandberg is an NHLer right now. Dylan Sandberg is at, at a higher level than Logan Stanley, and he needs games before he goes down to the Calder Cup and plays. Um, and goes from there but and again I'd like to see Hanela a few more times this year before the year is over. And I mean I understand right. I'm not saying he should have played 60 games this year but I want to see Billy Hanela get a chance. I mean the Jets power play has been struggling for the most part in the last little while here. Billy Hanela yeah. is a guy who can help the power play, but he's got to be given an opportunity to do so. Uh, and again, so trades are going to have to be made, Scott. And again, I'm not just dismissing what you said about Brennan Dillon, because based on what oh, was yeah. what was received for Ben Sherratt, Brennan yeah. Dillon would have brought a big haul. But now the problem yeah. is now the problem is you haven't helped the culture side of things. Whereas Brennan Dillon is a guy that's invested here. I, I get it. Scott, I'm just saying, you're not getting I, I, I get that it. culture piece I, I, from a first or second year player. So but you're going to have to move yeah. somebody so i also understand well, this is that the part.
2: problem that they've worked themselves into right yes you, you, you've attracted guys here and then you don't and you forget about your prospects and then you realize through injury that your prospects are pretty darn good and then you have nowhere to put them so your prospects keep flipping flopping or sitting in the press box and you're trying not to piss off schmidt or, or dylan or pionk or whoever that you you might trade because you want to keep guys here because you attract guys here and you don't want to just trade them right away. You don't want to be a Vegas, but th- this is a, just a vicious cycle of not doing anything with what you have that you've drafted, right? Like Kevin Shovel Dayoff. well, and, and we can all probably agree that Kevin Shovel dayoff is drafted really well. But the problem is that you have these really good prospects and Heinel and whatever that are going to make mistakes. But this was the stretch after the trade deadline to do it. I this get is it. where it's team, okay to
0: make mistakes yeah
2: exactly right and and that's the thing and they didn't allow that to happen they they put stanley back in for a while and then when we there was an injury or when schmidt got injured or not injured he had covid or whatever then they brought samberg in and then he got injured whatever it, it is what it is but you saw like this is the reason why morgan Barron is looking good right now is because they're allowing him to play right and so morgan Barron took his opportunity we've seen other guys take their opportunity Samberg, whatever. But the problem is they just don't seem to trust their young guys. And they get and then they put out a suboptimal lineup every night. And now is the time to play them. And they're still not going to do it. Neil Peon's been injured all year. Shut him down for the last six games. What, what, what difference does it make? Make sure he's healthy coming into next year. I mean, if there's another guy on the, it's the team that needs surgery on the back end, let him go get the surgery now, right? The teams that are out of the playoffs do this all the time. The Jets still seem to have this belief and they've had up until maybe even tonight that they can still make this playoffs and it's just like yeah. playoffs like it's not happening right so like-
0: so, Scotty, I, I think I think you're touching on exactly what it is, and you said that down the stretch it's, it feels like the team doesn't have a belief in their young prospects. I, I don't think that's what it is. I think we can go back to the Comrie-Hellebuck argument that we were having earlier, or not argument, but the conversation that we were having, and the decisions that are made there, I look at that, and I think these are decisions that aren't rooted in fact or numbers, just like what we go back to at the trade deadline. Like the Jets, the numbers told us at that time that the Jets weren't, Making the playoffs, but the business decision is made not on like if you guys remember it was like five percent at that time. The Jets' chances of making the playoffs were five percent at that time, and the line that I used over and over again, was if you were running a business and someone told you, if you make this business decision, it's got a 5% chance of paying off. But if it does, it'll be really cool. But other than that, it's going to suck. And you're like, sign me up for the 5%. Well, you're not going to be in business for too long, right? But that's what happened there. The Connor Hellebuck stuff, it's like, hey, We're not going to make the playoffs. The chances are down to 1% now, but should we A, run our starting goaltender into the ground like we've done for years before and have a problem going forward, or B, give an opportunity to the other guy? No, let's choose A and run this guy into the ground because we need to show everybody that we're still in this. And then you come to your next decision, which is like, well, should we get some of the young guys in here and see what we have and play them down the stretch? Or should we B, go with all the veterans that we brought in? And it's B, go with the veterans because we need to show everybody that we're still in this down the stretch stretch and to me it's the same bad decision being made the same clearly not supported by reality decision over and over and over again and to me it comes down to one of two things either one someone talked about it in the chat room it may be in here someone talked about the jets trying to sell hope I don't know if I still have sure. that here, but the idea, yeah. Here we go. Uh, Estwood beat says Chevy ignored the numbers because they had to give hope to the fans. Kenny is right. Kenny, you'd brought this up before. Listen, Sounds I don't know what fans out there didn't re- like when right. we're telling you this, and when you're reading this kind of stuff that the Jets have a five percent chance. I don't know. I don't know the fans out there who are sitting there thinking, "Yeah, let's right. give us hope. Keep giving us hope here." I think fans want an organization run in a manner where that you're putting yourself in the best position to succeed, yeah. and if that means not succeeding right now to succeed in the future, when the numbers tell you right now you cannot succeed, then. <laughs> that's the decision that you want to be made but b and this is what i do think that the decision being made down the stretches i always go back to this 2016 or 17 year i forget which one it is when the jets were crazy hot down the stretch it's 2016 and and they they're not making the playoffs but they go on this crazy run they throw everything they have into it and kevin Chevel Dayoff says this was the hockey god smiling on us allowing us to win the lottery and pick patrick line a second because we did the right things down the stretch. I think that's your answer guys. I think the answer in this organization is they believe that giving your all right until the flag drops, and even if the flag drops and you're still two laps behind, they're that r- runner who runs as hard as he can and doesn't jog in over the line. They're out of it, they're off the podium, but they come running in as hard as they possibly can and collapse at the line. That's the DNA of this organization. I believe they think that that is what is right and are making those their decisions based on that. That is why we're seeing all the decisions we're seeing here, and why we're not seeing these young players in the lineup, which I do think the chat has made the point over and over again. This is like, this should be time where you try and figure out what you have for next year and start making plans about building your culture for next year and who you're going to go forward with. And we're not seeing it right now because the Jets are still running themselves out of their shoes to get across a finish line they can't possibly cross in time to get into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and Pat Pat, uh, partisan Paul's got it right. And we've said this before, just in in, in private talk and whatever, uh, the fans aren't dumb, right? Like, I think you're, what, exactly what you're saying, Sean, is right. I mean, I, the fans can see through it, right? and that's it, right? And, and I mean, if, if that's the case, like if that's how this team is running itself, well, they can just hang, every year they can hang a participation banner in, in the rafters of, of Canada Life Centre and be fine with it, right? Like, this goes into the whole, like, Nashville Predators, oh, we're, you know, Stanley Cup finalist banner, right? It's not good enough. And this is a league where if you're not first, you're last. It doesn't matter at the end of the year. Nobody remembers who was in, you know, like five years ago, who was in the Stanley Cup final with whoever won the cup. Nobody remembers that. All that matters in this league is winning Stanley Cups. That's all you play for. Every player will say that. And I I just find sometimes that the Jets just aren't doing that at times. So, anyway.
1: Yeah, I disagree on the Nashville part. Uh, at least making the final—that's a that's a non-traditional hockey market that's had no success. So I've got no problem with them celebrate. Sh- oh. Scotty, I'm not saying you should have a banner for everything. If you make the Stanley Cup final and you've never been there as an expansion team, celebrate, celebrate away. I, I think they're not to Vegas and to them. Yeah. They're not saying congratulations we've made it they're saying we had a taste of it and we want more of it so same thing people getting ticked off this week about the minnesota timberwolves celebrating a play-in game they haven't had a sniff in almost two decades i'd be jumping up on the table too right on uh i got no it's problem such a with that losing mentality. Ken. Oh, come no, on. it's not. It doesn't mean oh, you don't want on. to win. It doesn't mean you don't want to win. That's like it getting means
2: the doesn't... participation no, Scott, trophy no, at the end of the to... year when you're the crappiest player on the team. if this... you
1: make the Stanley Cup and oh. win 12 playoff games, and in fact, I think Nashville probably won, I think, 14 that year, that's not participation. You well, won then why 14 playoff, playoff games. you just the
2: Conference final banner after eight years and coming back and not being in the playoffs? Then hang that banner. It's ridiculous. To what end, Kenny? To what end, though?
1: I'm well, just saying the playoffs? I've got, I've can,
2: got no – that's not Wheeler making the playoffs, man. Making Blake the final is not making on, the playoffs. No, no. What did Blake Wheeler say at a 2018-19 training camp there? He said, we haven't won, We haven't done nothing, or whatever the quote was. I'm paraphrasing now. We haven't won I – mean, he might even said the S word there. I'm not going to say it. I know Jeff
1: gets away with it. I'm good not job. It. Good job. we got a family but, show here.
2: Is, that's right. But, you know, Blake Wheeler knows – every player no, nobody cares about making the final it wasn't for the players
1: care. it's for the fans Sean it's for the fan base that's a part of them through <laughs> no, all, sorry, through no, all the years sorry no Sean <laughs> did
2: you think the fans care about I don't know, maybe you can ask the chat did the chat care Buddy. about making this down the final if you lose it did Jets, say, like, oh hang on a second down?
1: did Jets fans care about making the Western Conference final Scott of
2: course they did
1: okay they did. so, so the then what are we talking about who cares you don't need a banner but you can I don't blame it Team for celebrating a, it. I don't blame the Predators for celebrating the it. Go, is congratulations it's a
2: mentality, Kenny,
1: because once you're happy
2: with the fact that you got to the Stanley Cup final, what, what did Nashville do the next year? They won they the president's out.
1: trophy. Yeah, what and then
2: what did they do? And then what well, they, did they lost do? to a team that was exactly. second overall. So it, what? It so they didn't do anything. And then where have the Nashville Predators been since, Kenny? This is well, the, been the, in the, the jets middle. have followed the same path, right?
1: Okay. Anyways, let's move on here. Quick thing from uh, someone was asking about Gustafson. David Gustafson is going to be on the Jets next year. The only reason he hasn't played more this year is because of the injuries. And sometimes when a player, you know, even if it's unlucky, it can impact a coach's ability to want to put him in the lineup. So David Gustafson will be in the lineup. And the reason why I say do the Jets believe in David Gustafson if they didn't, they wouldn't be giving him first line minutes with the Manitoba moose on a team that's trying to win a Sta- or a Calder Cup final.
0: Um, I just wanted to weigh in on the end on what you guys were talking about there. I, I do think I do think it matters when teams go to uh, Stanley Cup finals like that and I think the San Jose Sharps, are a really good example of that. I mean, not just the fact that they went to the Stanley Cup final, but the fact that they were a good team for a number of years. Yeah, they never got over the end. And I do, believe me, Scott, I, I I'd always say this, take take. if you want to know what Stanley Cups mean, ask a Calgary Flames fan, right? And, and then ask a Vancouver Canucks fan, right? A team that got to, to the Stanley Cup final twice and didn't win it, and a team that won it once in 89. I know that they made it in 2004 and lost that year as well, the Calgary Flames, but, but it means something for sure to lock in a Stanley Cup and I do think it can be somewhat forgettable if you don't win that Stanley Cup and you're in it either way but I do think if you take a look at a team like San Jose who is as good as they were for as long as they were and then making the Stanley Cup final they never won it but they turned a market that a lot of people thought would never be a hockey market into a market by playing like that right so from the business side of things being a team that you are right In in, I get what you're saying different you're right. right in 2060 No one is going to give a rat's ass about the Nashville Predators going to the Stanley Cup Final in 2017. You are 100 percent right about that, but I do think in the meantime, giving your organization hope as long as it's and I'll give you this too, Scott. As long as it's maintained hope, because right, is it 1990? Yeah, 1996 is it that the Florida Panthers go to the Stanley Cup Final? 95, 95, meaning no, 95, 96, yeah, 95. Yeah, Yeah. Ninety five, ninety
2: six. I looked it up because they were talking about it yesterday. Right. Yeah.
0: It's, it's meaningless, right? They went there, they shot, they came out of nowhere, right. went to the Stanley I mean, Cup Final, disappeared forever. forever. It means nothing. It's a footnote in history, right? But if you can get, you know, going to a Stanley Cup Final with elongated success... That is something that I think, and and I like take a look. I I think that the Nashville Predators have put a thumbprint on the Nashville market because of Of because they won the Presidents Trophy, because they went to the Conference Fund. They have created a culture, so it is it is it is a strong enough accomplishment that it can create culture in a market it's done it in san jose it's done it in nashville so it is important it would be nice to see maybe the the florida panthers do this now and create a little bit more success in that market but i do think it matters but i do also agree with you it becomes a footnote the more and more time that goes on and it matters less and less the, as the time goes
2: yeah, on. and i'll concede that you're right i mean you're right it has helped those markets I just think in a Canadian market it's expected that you win, right? And nothing short of winning. Right? I'm, sorry, I'm, uh, even... I'm just saying. I, uh, I would but
1: also like, say Scotty, they Toronto,
2: didn't... Montreal, all these teams come out every year. They they want to win, right? What Montreal Canadians aren't aren't reveling in the fact that they got the Stanley Cup final last year, when they're the last place team in the NHL right now. It means nothing to Montreal, right? Ooh, I disagree. I was so, there. What do you think?
0: You're talking about an entire new... though you're talking about an entirely new or okay put it this way if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan 30 and under and i mean i remember if i was when i was younger and cheering for teams cuz you know your your biggest sports years are when you're a teenager i looked at 30 year olds and i looked at them as old men well the old men compared to you know a teenager had never seen their team succeed to that degree in their entire time they lost their minds there people will talk about that for years to come now the older generation who saw cups upon cups upon cups will look back at it as a footnote and they are looking at it as a footnote right now but it has been so long since <laughs> that team succeeded that it does mean something to the younger fans in that market because okay, they saw some of the things some sure. of the reasons to get excited for that
2: organization it's a good point i, I, I can admit when i'm wrong And <laughs> And just to
1: reinforce Sean's point, I was in the building in uh, the SAP center for game six when San Jose knocked out St. Louis, the place went absolutely bananas. So uh, the city was absolutely on fire. I was in the room, Brent Burns, it meant something to Joe Thornton. It meant something to Patrick Marlowe. So I I know what you're coming from. Ultimately, you got to put the ring on. But again, it's like saying that a silver medal doesn't matter. Winning a silver mat you're right. So to me, again, it's like when people say silver medal doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's not actually fully true. Would you rather have won? Of course, you would. But part of we've talked about this conversation started about culture building. You have to get there before you. You know, often you have to have pain before you get there. Right, you got to learn
2: to lose before you learn to win. I get it. You know, the Jets had that in 2017, 18. It just it hasn't gone
0: anywhere since then. It's true. Okay, boys, we've got a, uh, we're approaching a buck 40. We're not going to get out of this show before it's a buck 40. Scotty, it's been awesome to have you on. And it's too bad that this comment (laughs) came so late in the show. But because the jets are out of it, we're going to have more time for these kind of comments. But we're not going to do it now, Scott. You can't say anything, but we need to have you back because we need to clear up the Chara Logan Stanley comment. Because I know that I've talked about it and I know you're always chipping it, heated in the chat room. So we do need to clear that up. You can't say anything. you got to come back and you got to address this. So here, everybody... Oh, this is
1: classic. T. Everybody. Will's got you. I smell another villain boycott. Never mind not getting a song. He's not coming back. <laughs> We're going to the receipts.
0: So listen, Scotty, you got to come back before the year is over. And, and chat room, listen, you got to ask that question when he comes in. we got to get down to the root of that because I know that Scotty has been choked at me and I've been kind of fun. I've been laughing being on this side of the wall while Scotty's banging on the door saying how could you say i said that it's gonna be a good one i love it uh, so hey chat room you were on fire once again <laughs> all night it was good stuff before yeah. we do go just give you an opportunity if you want to go check out our merch <laughs> www.shopsportsnet.store. lots of great stuff uh for you there and we're going to keep it coming there uh if we can go. So once again chat room this was good stuff this was a great show for you know that's wrapped up a really stanky weekend of hockey for the Winnipeg Jets. So thank you for bringing it like you always do, chat room. We will see you after. When's the next game? Tuesday? Tuesday yeah, against Tuesday the Rangers. Tuesday. I, I still do contend unless the Stars oh, hey. play twice. What's that?
1: Quick one to Grant Braun yesterday. I think I gave him a wake up and it wasn't actually Grant who had the Lowry comments. <laughs> I don't think so. Friendly uh, fire by sir, Ken sorry, wake about, sorry about that, Grant. He knocked, t- knocked
0: Grant, Grant right out of his Grant, chair. He just Grant. got hit with a wake up and he's like, what did I do? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Grant is telling me to give up today, so maybe he needs to wake up today. But uh, yesterday's was undeserved, and I apologize.
0: I think Grant Ron is right on at all times, especially with that comment right there. Hey, everybody, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sticking around. Holy smokes, a lot of people in the chat room, right up to a buck forty. Appreciate you being here. We appreciate you at all times. We can't wait to talk to you again on Tuesday after that game, which is probably getting into full on Jets elimination territory. We'll see everybody then.